views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Conversation reparations, conversation reparations, conversation reparations. Welcome to another show on conversation reparations. The show is brought to you by Encobra. My name is Brother Jumoke Ife Tayo. I currently serve as the Southeast Regional Representative of Encobra and also the male co-chair of the Atlantic chapter of Encobra. Uh, I've been co-hosting these shows with um, Bonita Lacey, activist in Atlanta, who is stepping up to be the female co-chair of the Atlanta chapter of Encobra. Uh, unfortunately, she will not be joining us today. So there is a lot going on and continues to go on in the reparations movement. Um, we will, so we have a very a lot of ground that we plan on covering today. A lot of good information of some things that has happened and are continuing to happen in the reparations movement to move us closer to that reality. So some of you may or may not be aware of the largest annual gathering of people of African descent focused on obtaining reparations. And that happens not in Atlanta, not in New York, uh, uh, D.C. It actually happens in London, England. It's a... um, for years, um, people in the Caribbean have been celebrating Emancipation Day. Uh, London has a large uh, Caribbean population, people descended from the Caribbean via Africa. And so activists there but decided to link the Emancipation Day um, celebrations and commemoration with the campaign for reparations. And as I said, some years ago began to organize a, and it's really much more than a march because we, 
it's really a way to mobilize and organize and educate our people around this issue of reparations and show the level of support um, for this um, campaign of reparations. Uh, it's quite late right now in, in, in London. Uh, I think it's around 2 o'clock in the morning. And um, so uh, we, we hope to have Sister Esther Stanford on. She may or not join us, cause it, but she said she will do her best. Um, to try to call in in the next 10 to 15 minutes or so to give us an update. Um, she is the one of the primary organizers of this uh, movement and this um, or, uh, campaign in London. And so um, she has been an uh, ally and supporter and a um, comrade within COBRA and the reparations movement. And so we hope to bring her in, but even if we're not able to bring her in, we're going to play a little clip um, from the march, and uh, we'll go ahead and let you um, check that out right now. We got a clip coming up from the march. Reparations is something that we have to own as people. We have to consent. So nobody's setting themselves up as a leader of anybody, but we are slowly but surely building constituencies who are saying this is what we want as the next phase of determining redress for our people and holistic repair or reparations. Oh, this is the annual African Emancipation Day. Reparations Month. We charge genocide and ecocide for the British state, for the occupation of our motherland, the kidnapping and abuse of our ancestors, and the continued attack on the African community throughout the decades and centuries of their colonialistic powers. Our children are overrepresented in their penal system in their mental institutions and in their prison system. We're the ones who keep this thing going, brother. We're the ones in corporate Britain cleaning the offices at night. We're the ones running the NHS. We're the ones who are the carers. We're the ones who keep the whole thing up. If we threaten to leave or to withdraw from the system, brother, all of a sudden you see they want to negotiate. Because our people, but at the end of the day, Lots of people have got lots of talk, but this is our opportunity. Those of us who have any ideas or concepts that we can share with one another, put it down, put it together so that we can utilize it because the answers to our problems lie with us. The enemy is never ever gonna offer any solution to anything that you and I are currently suffering from or going through. The answers lie with us. And believe me, we have the answers. We just have to come together. This is not something somebody's gonna get up and do for us. Our people have to step up and they have to realize nothing is going to be handed on a plate to them. In fact, what we are entitled to and what we are due is being squandered right before our very eyes. We are a global nation of information and our power cannot be exercised here alone. It is international, it is global. And that's why we need to bring sections of our family all around the world to hold this state, the British state, 
British Empire. And now Boris is in Empire 2.0. They haven't stopped. And they plan to actually plunder the earth, killing us, depopulating Africa, because they say that there's too many of us. And now we have to look at the climate and ecological emergency. Because what that is bringing up is eco-fascism, where they want to clear our land of us, to take the resources that they want to have to continue this toxic death style. And we stand aside and look. So the first thing there's got to be a conditioning, a reconditioning, a transformation of the mind of enough of us to coalesce and, and, and galvanize ourselves into a solid block. We want to create a movement of at least 1,000 fearless black men in this country. When we march, brothers and sisters, that we march as a unified African black family, and that we allow no gaps between us and no entities they want the land, they want the resources, and you have British companies that are looting the resources of Africa today, that are being denied to our people. And yet we are forced into concrete jungles where now our children are imploding. And that's why we're seeing an exacerbation of intra-community serious violence and killing by a gun and knife crime. I am witness to the ecocide and genocide of our people. I am witness to the killing of our land, the rape of our resources, the forced sterilizations, the biological warfare, all the land grabs. The neo-colonial puppet leaders in Africa have to go as we deliver this petition to Boris Trump Johnson, the devil incarnate in Tangoning Street. We are going to drop the symbol of Pencha and tell the government to prepare yourself. And brothers and sisters, you need to prepare yourself for a reparations rebellion. You got to get a little flavor of some of the speakers at the march. The female voice that you heard most of the time, with the exception of that last voice, was uh, Sister Esther. Do we have Sister Esther on the line? Um, no, she's not on the line, but I would also okay. um, just like to offer up that people should see this video. I'm going to tweet it out over yes. uh, Black Talk Radio's Twitter account at Black Talk Radio. I also posted to blacktalkradionetwork.com later, but what really stood out to me, Brother Jamoke, you know, speaking to the yeah. issue of reparations and, and the various movements, in my mind, it's only one movement, and that's in Cobra. That's the only credible uh, movement that I see out there on the issue of reparations. But what I noticed among the brothers and sisters um, along the parade and who were speaking. Um, I noticed pictures of Harriet Tubman. I noticed pictures of Frederick Douglass. 
um, just mm-hmm. black black freedom fighters from various nations, even you know, uh, so, uh, how you say his name, Selassie uh, from Ethiopia, yeah. and you Alex know, Selassie. yeah, yeah. So you know, I, it was just good to see that that they make that connection with us over here. Yes, yes, they do, and they you know also understand the the Pan African connection of reparations. Um, they um, very much connect the reparations movement up with um, brothers and sisters in, in, in not only in the Caribbean and Central and South America, but also with our brothers and sisters in Africa. And, and they're very uh, methodical about that and linking up with us here in the United States as well. And so, um, so they, kind of, they see themselves as really the Pan-African leadership of the reparations movement. And it kind of makes sense, I think, you know, because of the history of, of of England and history of London in terms of the Pan African conferences and the Pan African movement, um, it makes sense that they would be leading the Pan African reparations um, front. You know, so yeah, and yeah, and and if you watch the video, you see there's thousands and thousands of people who participate, and they do it every year August first, not you know close the closest Saturday, whatever day August first falls on. And, 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 you know, right now, I think it fell on this year. It was fell on a Thursday, I believe. That I means people had to take off of work um, in order to, to participate. Me. So it's a very strong thing that they're doing. They're a very great model of, of can, can you correct me on and movement building. Can you help me out with so something I, on, on some history? But, um, you know, there was a um, that European or U.K. connection um, in our abolitionist movement here in the United States prior to, you know, the Civil War and what have you. I believe it was an organization called the Sons of Africa um, that provided uh, support to various uh, African-Americans and victims of slavery uh, during that time, that period. Do you recall that, Am I, am, or am I mistaken? Um, well, I, I'm not that knowledgeable about, um, not familiar with what you're speaking of. So as we both have to do okay, some no more uh, research on that. Uh, so, yeah, but um, just wanted to um, let people know that this is an important element in our reparations movement. Uh, I have not been to London yet. I really look to go um, to, you know, Emancipation Day. And actually, interestingly enough, uh, here in, uh, well, actually, I'm saying here, and I'm in Ferguson, Missouri right now, but I, and we'll talk about that in a little bit later. But in Atlanta this year, we actually had an Emancipation Day um, program, and um, which was very good because, again, it represented the Pan-African um, community. You have people from different Caribbean islands that were there. You have people from South America that were there. There were people from um, the, from Ghana, from Africa that were there, and there were people from uh, an African American, and all looking at this, you know, coming together around this conversation of emancipation. But what what really was profound about that was that also was that there was a lot of conversation around how do we pass on information and pass on the torch and pass on the knowledge. Uh, um, of resistance and, and, and of culture and, and African heritage onto the next generation and to the younger generations. And, you know, one of the things that I also raised in that gathering, as we always do, is how that we may want to consider 
connecting the conversation of emancipation to reparations because, you know, the, if you're going to talk about, you know, the ending of slavery and we don't want to, again, you know, we want to make it relevant to the young people today. So, you know, there's one thing to talk about, you know, in slavery and a lot of times people don't want to talk about slavery. You know, we get that, you know, uh, one brother made the, made the example of like, you know, how so many people went to go see the Black Panther. But if you say, oh, you know, come to see this movie about slavery, not as many people would be enticed to come. So what I put into the conversation is that, you know, consider that we add to the conversation of Emancipation Day reparations and, you know, we have London as a great example, um, what they're doing there. And uh, also, um, you, know, I'm, you know, I pointed out that there are other formations you know, like the movement for Black Lives, and I guess it's a good segue. You know, the movement for Black Lives um, several years ago came up with um, six policy platforms, and one of those six policy platforms is reparations. And so we've been working with them on uh, developing reparations webinars, and they and we just released a reparations toolkit. It was actually released on uh, Queen Mother Moore's birthday on July 27th. And you remember the last show that we did, uh, we talked a lot about Queen Mother Moore and her contributions to the reparations movement. So again, things are just continuing to build, but again, I use that as an example of how the younger people are embracing the reparations movement. Um, there's other groups as, as well of young people that are embracing the reparations movement. So. And let me, um, so we'll just, uh, I guess she hasn't called in, so, uh, and if she does, that'd be great, and if she doesn't, it's okay. You actually got to hear a lot of her voice and her fire in that clip. Um, like I said, all of the female vo voices that was in that clip were of her, with the exception of the very last um, voice. Um, so this past weekend, um, I had the opportunity to speak at two events in Atlanta, on reparations. One was a panel that was organized by young activists. He used to be very active with um, the National Action Network with Al Sharpton's organization. And he um, uh, had some conflict and decided to um, set up his own um, organization, which he calls Saving Ourselves. And so he says every so often he has a conversation around different issues that are very critical in our community. They had a previous conversation on um, uh, sex trafficking in, the, in our community, and I don't remember the other topics. I think he said this was the fifth one that he's had, but um, this one he chose to have on reparations. And he put together a very powerful and unique panel. We had Sister Yonaz the Lone Wolf, who is... Um, part African-American and part Native of American and does a lot of work with the Nation of Islam or uh, with the Nation of Islam and connecting the Nation of Islam to Native American nations. And um, she's physical representation of that herself. Her mother was also uh, an activist as well. And so she was on the panel. And she said something very interesting, which, you know, again, you know, as we go through this movement, we have to constantly... Uh, raise our level of consciousness around certain things. You know, she said to me, uh, well, she said to me privately, but she also said it on the, on the panel as well, that Native Americans never got paid reparations, and which kind of took me aback a little bit because we often use Native Americans as an example of reparations. 
But she said, um, you know, in her analysis was that most of the, the, the reparations that we associate with Native Americans has come basically through court cases, and they basically were settlements, and, and, and some monies were given sometimes, or some lands that were taken were given back, or treaties that were violated, you know, there were some forms of making amends for that. But she didn't feel that that was really um, reparations, that those were pro- primarily lawsuits, lawsuit victories, uh, that was her analysis of that. I actually um, heard um, another um, Native American. Now, she's full-blooded Native American as much as anybody correct. can be. But she said the same thing on a different program I was listening okay. to. She called in, and she's saying reparations means Lone repair. Wolf. How mm-hmm. is you giving me back possession of land you stole from me, repair me? You still ain't paid for the injury of taking it in the first place. You just returned mm-hmm. stolen property, that's all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so that may be where she got some of that from, right? <laughs> as I said, mother is an activist as well. And so understanding the tradition that she comes from. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. So also on the panel, we had um, a, which was interesting, we had a, a Shelley Winters, who is a uh, conservative Republican, African-American talk show host in Atlanta. Actually, uh, I was not familiar with him, but uh, as he um, was on a panel to uh, offer a different um, position or a different take on things, you know, my take is that no one, no person that's African-American is really against reparations. Most of the time I say that people who are African-American speak like they're against reparations. They're really just confused <laughs> or not knowledgeable about what reparations really truly mean. Um, and Europeans who are in opposition to reparations are basically just racist. I mean, repair is repair, like you were just saying. I mean, when you get sick, you want to get well. If when your car is an accident, you want to, your car to be repaired or to be replaced. You know, and also further compensation as well if there was other things, hospital care and other things as well. Pain and so, you know, repair is a basic universal concept. I don't know how anybody can really say they're against it. <laughs> you know. Go ahead. Well, I, I saw this NPR segment um, just yesterday or the day before yesterday. It's on their website. Um, it's also in their, on their YouTube channel, National Public Radio. And they had this african-american professor i believe it was at brown university and he was talking about like he was against reparation and trying to say Mm -hmm. that you know you basically reselling your ancestors into slavery for a dollar amount i mean just a ludicrous argument but what really stood out to me brother jamoke was that he said this is his exact words that i and other african-americans like myself are doing just fine Right. Right. So, one of the things that I used to say to that, well, first of all, uh, we can look at that in, on, on lots of different levels and what does that really mean when you say doing just fine, you know, um, in terms of uh, the education that you have about your history and yourself and your culture. And, you know, well, again, just fine is is again is right is I guess what we would say was a relative right, you know. In context um, of what he, he was saying, the way just I fine took- in terms of 
measuring himself against white people, I guess, is really what he was trying to say, right? Well, I, I actually <laughs> using that took as a it, standard or using how you know how white he was, saying he was just fine, right? Well, I took it as a slight against poor African Americans. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I I've made it. I've got mine. I've got my tenured professorship. I'm getting six right. figures a year, and why you can't do the same? That's the way I right. took it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, like I said, uh, ignorance and confusion, <laughs> you know. But, um, I mean, there are people who do speak um against reparations, but their numbers are small. Um, also, I mean, on the panel was, um, we had Abel Mabel, who is a, uh, one of the activist progressive um, uh, elected officials, state um, legislator in, in, in Atlanta area. We also had on the panel, I want to leave out anybody, we had um, Brother Joe Beasley, who is an elder, um, Civil rights activists did a lot of work with um, Push and Jesse Jackson's organization, but over the last 20 years or so, he has really focused his attention on Africa, and 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 basically his remarks was that we need to really be focusing on Africa if we really want to empower ourselves and be healed because all of the resources that the world needs are there in Africa. If Africa was to shut itself off to the rest of the world, it would be totally fine. Uh, you know, not, not uh, many other places can say that but it would be totally fine in terms of being able to take care of everything that you know it needs um so that was sort of his angle on the whole thing it was another brother who i've worked with over the years a brother named canicio who um does a lot of activism work around um community farming and uh, agriculture and um you know he made the point of how everything you know revolves around agriculture and that, you know, whatever, you know, demands or whatever that we're moving ourselves forward, we need to understand also the importance of connecting back to to the land and, and, and agriculture. And um, Sister Troya was an activist here in Atlanta. Uh, I keep saying here in Atlanta. <laughs> also in Atlanta. Um, used to also work with National Action Network, and, and she um, has her own organization now as well. And Sister Nana Harris Paris, who really um, is another dynamic activist in Atlanta, she has uh, her emphasis in the movement has been around self-care, and she she has a very powerful presentation style, and you know really engages people in this conversation of understanding the importance of how uh, important it is to take care of ourselves and what a you know in terms of making sure that we are healthy and we are strong and not just physically healthy but emotionally spiritually financially in every way that you feel like there may be some things in your life that you're not where you want them to be how do you move move closer to that and um so and and again she brought to in cobra years ago she always mentioned that her first introduction to activism in atlanta was was in cobra it was the first organization that she aligned herself with before she branched out and, and started her own organization and um she talked she she put forward an idea called ignore repair which actually kind of goes back to what i was saying before you know you either ignore something or you repair it i mean again this basic you know human nature but she 
breaks that down in a very sophisticated way. And um, so she she was also on the panel and myself. I think I'm covering everybody. Oh, uh, yeah, there was one other elected official um, uh, on, on the panel as well, Brother um, Marvin Arrington. We had a lively uh, debate. A lot of different issues were covered, of course. And you have that kind of a powerful panel. A lot of things didn't get to get covered or really go in depth. Uh, we were also, um, it was also, um, which I say, sort of a blessing that we, uh, in, in attendance, who came to the event was Killer Mike. And um, Killer Mike um, participated in the conversation as well. Um, very astute brother. Um, Activist and, and and rapper and brought um, some very good points to the table around reparations as well and let us know that he was in support of reparations and the reparations movement. So, and then on Sunday, I participated in a panel with um, well, not actually not a panel. Excuse me. We um, I did a presentation at a Sunday school at a church, at a European-American church in Atlanta over near, if people are familiar with Emory University, on Emory University's campus. And the church is called Glen United Methodist Church. And uh, earlier this year, I did a program, a, a gathering called the Black Manifesto Revival, where we looked at the 50th anniversary of the Black Manifesto where James Foreman challenged the church community and white church community and synagogues to put money, $500 million, into a black economic development fund, and uh, which which he also argued that that would not be full reparations, but that would be a start towards reparations uh, because he felt that churches should do this because of their moral uh, understanding and understanding of values and repentance and justice that they should uh, could take the initiative then the nation could follow suit. But what happened was basically the churches responded in basically three different ways. Um, um, some churches just outright um, rejected it. Um, some other churches decided that um, said that, you know, they already give money to low-income communities or they already have programs or services um, targeting low-income income communities, and so they felt like what they were doing, what they were doing was efficient. And, and then the other group, uh, the third group of churches, church denominations, um, kind of took the position that we agree in principle with the idea of reparations. However, we're not going to put money into this fund. We'll put money into, uh, we'll we'll get the black pastors of our denomination to put together the, the ones that we pick. We'll put together our own committee and our own fund and put money into that, and then they can determine how the money will be used in the community. That's pretty much what the church that I spoke at, the United Methodist uh, Church, did. Um, and so one of the um, um, women who was asked to be a part of their Sunday school, they were doing a Sunday school series around racial healing and justice, and she attended that event that I had organized earlier 
in May around the Black Manifesto and talking about this history in the church. So she thought it would be important to bring that conversation to them. And so she invited me. She actually gave up her time uh, and invited me to come and speak at the church Sunday school around this issue of reparations. And we talked about the history of the Black Manifesto and how um, there's a new opportunity for, for churches to get it right because they did not get it right last time. And uh, I just want to read... Um, from the church passed a resolution in 1996, and they and it was uh, amended in 2000 and 2004. It was updated and amended, but it's it's similar to most resolutions with a bunch of whereases. Well, we're not going to read those, but I'm just going to read the the resolved, what they say they committed themselves to doing. Number one, that we support the discussion and study of reparation for African Americans. Number two, that we petition the President, the Vice President, and the United States House of Representatives to support the passage and signing of H.R. 40. Number three, that a written copy of this petition be delivered to the President and Vice President of the United States, the United States Senate Majority Leader, the House Speaker, and the House Member, John Conyers, Jr. Again, this was in 1996 and 2004. That number four, that the General Commission on Religion and Race, which is, I think, the commission that came out of that, um, uh, influence from the work of the Black Manifesto and the general board of church and society develop a strategy for interpretation and support of passage of H.R. 40. Number five, that the appropriate general boards and agencies of the United Methodist Church develop and make available to its members data on the history of slavery and the role of theology in validating and supporting both the institution and the abolition of the slave trade. And number six, that we call upon the United Methodist Church to acknowledge the memory of the victims of past tragedies and affirm that wherever and whenever these tragedies occur, they must be condemned and their recurrence presented. So that's what they uh, resolved to do um, I don't know how much of that they really are doing, but now we have an engagement with one church, and we're going to continue to um, work both ends in terms of working at the grassroots level at individual churches, as well as um, at some point having conversation with the church denomination leaders, and I guess specifically we want to have a conversation with the General Commission on Religion and Race in the general board of church and society around um, implementing, more fully implementing this resolution that was passed. I think this is this resolution is important. The reason why I read it is that many other church denominations have done this and many other organizations have done this. And so there is a momentum building at the grassroots level, moving, moving reparations forward. And again, I think there's more work that could be done in you know, passing a resolution, sometimes they just sit on paper, but we have to use these resolutions and activate these resolutions and activate the um, what they call for and make them more real. 
And, um, you know, as a result of actually also doing that presentation at that church, which, which um, went over very well, and they were very supportive. And um, they uh, there was people from, there were several um, members who were at this particular um, Sunday school service who were actually members of other churches. And um, they also were interested in me um, speaking with their church and following up with them around doing what we call Reparation Sunday. So Reparation Sunday was introduced by one of our ancestors, Queen Mother Dorothy Benton Lewis, who was a former national female co-chair of Cobra at one point, and um, just a, a well-respected uh, international activist for reparations and she worked with actually set up several organizations herself and worked with Cobra as one of the founding members and continue to work with Cobra as well but she wrote a book on, on on religion and reparations which she's called Raising the Contradictions and in that book she put forward an idea called Reparations Sunday where different churches would have a service oriented around reparations and then also as, as a part of that service would uh, raise funds to support the reparations movement. And so we piloted this, um, well, not piloted, we had to have done it a couple times, but we, we did that also at the closing of the ceremony program that I mentioned we did earlier in Atlanta at the neighborhood church. But we also had this church to commit to doing a reparations Sunday upcoming, as well as I mentioned other churches. So, you know, um, as a Caribbean saying, one, one cocoa full of baskets. So, this is this is we're we're moving this work on on many different levels, and um, so I, I'd also ask I don't know if they've called in I'd also ask for ask some of the young people that I'm working with now in um, Ferguson and we're here in Ferguson and more of us are coming to Ferguson to um, acknowledge I don't know if it's yeah, I guess acknowledged would be the the right way to say it. The rebellion and the killing of uh, Michael Brown here in in Ferguson on August the ninth, five years ago, and so there will be several um, commemorations. There's going to be a a museum um, uh, dedication and opening uh, exhibit, as well as we will be convening conversations around. Um, police killing and police um, murders um, uh, inside of a conversation of reparations, inside of a conversation of what really needs to be done to transform this country. And so um, we've been working on this for quite some time now, and uh, it's you know, we will begin on Thursday uh, evening, uh, actually Thursday afternoon, <clears throat> and I should have pulled that schedule up. Um, and and we'll go through um, Friday all day with panels and town hall meetings, and Saturday again panels and Saturday evening convening, and then ending Sunday with a another, again another reparations Sunday service, uh, and closing it out with a uh, ceremony, uh, spiritual uh, healing ceremony going to the river here. Um, Going to the river bank. So let me um, pull that up. So can we play a music clip? 
If you got some music queued up, while I pull up the detailed schedule. Yeah, sure. All right. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. No, it really isn't. Because, see, people are thinking in terms of, well, they want to brag about being black, which means that they are implying that it's something incorrect about being white even though these are the creations of the creator see and then so everybody gets into this black pride thing or white pride thing and people immediately start taking sides it's not about taking sides based on black and white it's about taking sides based on justice and non-justice well that's what you're really aiming for being black doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice and being white doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice except you mean and you believe in non-justice and that doesn't make any difference what shade you are or how tall you are or who your cousin was make black talk radio your choice for digital black radio new black media for the new millennium you need more time brother jamoke I, I do. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm just no no problem. I've just let a track play out in its in, entirety. I will not go down that way. I choose to fight back. I choose to rise.
Yeah, that was um, actually one of my favorite groups. You put that song on. That's the Sons of Light from Atlanta, and um, formerly were the Boys, and they went through some evolutions and reinvented themselves as the Sons of Light. And that was actually that Akon. Well, actually, it's Akon, but it's, well, Akon gets credit for that song. That's the Sons of Light. With Akon. <laughs> okay, so they so they, most it of was a collaboration. I mean, most of the singing, singing, if you, is actually um, the Sons of Light. But I want to get into that. But yeah, but it's on Akon's album as well. But yes, sir. Um, also out, out of Atlanta as well, via via Africa as well. So, but anyway, so we invite you to our upcoming rep, upcoming programs in Ferguson, Missouri, during the fifth anniversary weekend of the murder of Mike Brown Jr. and the Ferguson Uprising. From August 8th to 11th, we are hosting a national truth-telling and grassroots reparations convening where we will have invited organizers and activists from black-led grassroots organizations throughout the nation, as well as the families and friends of people victimized by police violence the Ferguson to participate in this important commemoration and work toward the transformation of our communities and the transformation of the relationships between black folk and a broader society, which is currently so much shaped by structural and direct violence. Our organizing and this convening is rooted in the restorative and healing justice. According to Kara Page and the Kindred Healing Justice Collective, healing justice identifies how we can holistically respond to and intervene on generational trauma and violence and bring collective practices that can impact and transform the consequences of oppression on our bodies, hearts, and minds. And they go on to define reparations, actually using the INCOBRA definitions. Uh, we'll go in, in the United Nations definitions, which we've talked about on previous shows. We'll go and get into the schedule. Um, most of the activities will be held at Greater St. Mark's Family Church, in Ferguson, I understand that is the church where a lot of the activists um, took refuge as well um, when they were being attacked, as well as that was the church where many of the meetings and strategy meetings and things were held as well. Um, the pastor of that church is Corey Bush, who has been working with this um, movement um, with us as well. Um, we will open on um, Thursday with a lunch from 12 to 1 p.m. We'll have a welcome from Pastor Corey Bush, and then we'll have a, a keynote presentation from Brother Omali Yeshatela of the Uhuru Movement. Um, the Uhuru Movement and Brother Omali Yeshatela has been a long-term, as we say, with long-distance runner as it relates to reparations, um, calling for reparations tribunals. I know as far back as the 80s, maybe even earlier than that, um, but he has been a consistent advocate for reparations. Um, and, and he is a very um, dynamic <clears throat> spokesperson as well. Um, after the lunch and keynote speak, we will begin um, with an opening healing ceremony, which will also where we will have dancing and drumming, as well as we will build a community collective altar together and bring in the ancestor energy to um, ground this whole gathering. And then and that'll be in the afternoon from 1.30 to 4. 
And from 5 to 7, we will have a panel on reparations, spirituality, and healing. One of the major um, organizations that's been facilitating this gathering is the Fellowship of Reconciliation. Uh, the Executive Director of the Fellowship of Reconciliation is Reverend Dr. Emma Simpson-Jordan, who will be on, the, on that panel. Uh, Conda Mason of the Jubilee Partners out of Oakland, California. Uh, Queen Mother Marsha Jawanza, who's the National Female Co-Chair of Encobra. Uh, Dr. David Raglan, who is the, um, I would say somewhat the, not somewhat, who's been the visionary and the uh, custodian of this whole enterprise, who is a senior Bayard Rustin fellow with the Fellowship of Reconciliation. Uh, his partner, Danielle St. Louis, uh, will also be on that panel. Dr. Ayele Kumari from St. Louis, Missouri and Dr. Ryan Daniels of the Institute of the Black World, and again, someone who has been an um, advocate and organizer around reparations for some time now. On Friday, um, we will open, we will begin the day. The theme of Friday, August 9th, is satisfaction, memorialization, education, and culture. We'll start at 11 a.m. at and we'll be having a Mike Brown memorial gathering and vigil at the Canfield Green Apartments in Ferguson where he was murdered, uh, and that is the, the day that he was murdered as well, um, August the 9th. Um, and then we will also have, as I mentioned earlier, there will be an exhibit at the Urban League. It's called As I See You, and that will be... Um, open to the public uh, in the afternoon on Friday as well after the vigil uh, in the Canfield apartments. In the evening from 5 to 7, we have another major panel and discussion. This one will be on police violence and reparations five years after Ferguson. Again, this will be taking place at the Greater St. Mark's Church in Ferguson. Uh, Sister Christine Hendricks, who is the current uh, president of the school board of the uh, University City. Again, she was one of the frontline um, activists during the uprising here in Ferguson. Brother Zaki Baruti of the Universal African Peoples Organization, uh, based here in St. Louis, will also be on that panel. Fran Griffin from the Ferguson City Council, uh, Justin Hansford, Professor and Executive Director of the Thurgood Marshall Center for Civil Rights, uh, a young um, activist from uh, out of, uh, that, um, the Thurgood Marshall Center for Civil Rights is based at Howard University, Maury Hitchcock from Chester, Pennsylvania, and Andrew Johnson from Tampa, Florida, and David Witt, um, Cop Watch. St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, and then in the evening, there will be a concert that's being sponsored by Sauce Records Global, um, which will uh, immediately follow that panel. And then Saturday, August the 10th, the theme is restitution, compensation, and guarantees of non-repeat. 
Uh, again, that will be at the Greater St. Mark Family Church in Ferguson. Uh, we'll start at 10 a.m. with a welcome from Dr. Gloria Gibson, um, President of Northeastern Illinois University, Chicago, Illinois. Then we will have a plenary discussion on land, restitution, and compensation. Um, Dr. Zahora Simmons um, for, of SNCC, uh, currently, I believe she's a professor at uh, the University of Florida. My brother Terrell Kyles, who's an activist and college professor in Atlanta, Georgia State University, uh, who will be representing for the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement. Um, Uncle Bobby, uh, if I'm, if I'm, uh, and, uh, Uncle Bobby, I believe, is the uncle to the brother that was killed out in um, Oakland. Yeah, um, brother Ed Whitfield from the Fund for, uh, who is uh, over the Southern Reparations Loan Fund, based in North Carolina. And Shiona Sewell, founder of Yarn Mission. Then we will have two uh, breakout sessions to go in even more in depth around the question around land and reparations. Um, one of those panels will be the um, themed Global Reparations Movement, Indigenous Black and Brown Solidarity. We'll have Jesse Sandoval, author, poet, um, based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Dr. Hakeem Williams from Gettysburg College, Dr. Melinda Salazar, co-director of the Truth Telling Project, and um, coming up on us, and to speed this up a little bit, how we're coming up towards the end of the show, we have uh, on the second panel, focusing on self-determination, land, and farming, um, Alvin Brown, uh, who is the current, who is a former president of the Republic of New Africa, the provisional government of the Republic of Af New Africa currently serves as the Minister of Foreign Affairs for the provisional government of the Republic of New Africa. Uh, myself will be on that panel as well. Um, and Sister uh, Aza Njeri, the author of Hip Hop Saved My Life from St. Louis, Missouri. And then we will have a, we'll come together for a lunch keynote, which will be um, Ed Whitfield, fund of the Southern Reparations Loan Fund. Uh, that'll be from 12.30 to 1.30. From 2 to 4, we will have a town hall meeting. The theme of that is Black Space Sanctuary. Uh, and Sister Aurora Harris, who is um, out of Detroit, a uh, very dynamic poet and activist um, will be facilitating that town hall. In our closing plenary on Saturday from 4.15 to 6 p.m., again, the theme is guarantees of non-repeat, Or, um, and I'm just going to read verbatim what it says here, also known as don't do that shit no more. <laughs> um, Danita Roundtree Green will be on the panel coming to the table uh, Yanego I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right Yane Indigo from the Black Alliance of Peace uh, again Dr. David Raglan Senior Bayard Rustin Fellow with the Fellowship of Reconciliation Brother Khalid Rahim of the New African Independence Party 
uh, Dr. Hakeem Mohandas Amandi Williams, Chair of Africana and Educational Studies at Gettysburg College, and Dr. Lee Sumter Moore College of Art Design. This is going to be a very um, powerful and uh, monumental gathering of people representing different traditions, different, um, whether some coming from academia, some activists, some coming from a spiritual perspective. Uh, as I said, we'll close out Sunday, what we call the National Day of Reparations for Spiritual and Faith Communities, and we've actually been organizing for some months now to have churches and other groups to um, organize simultaneously at their church a Reparation Sunday event. But the main one that we will be a part of here in Ferguson, again, will be at the Greater St. Mark Church um, with the pastor Corey Bush. Uh, as well as, again, Reverend Dr. Emma Jordan Simpson, Executive Director of the Fellowship of Reconciliation, um, Queen Mother Marsha Jawanza, National Female Co-Chair of Encover. Cheona Sewell, founder of Yarn Mission, Ed Whitfield, Southern Reparations Loan Fund, and Dr. Hakeem Mohandas Amani Williams, and Justin Hansford. After, I'm sorry. Okay, I was reading from the wrong section. I apologize. Let me let me correct that. So, National Day of Reparations for Spiritual and Faith Communities. We'll have a prayer breakfast from 9 a.m. to 10. We'll have a prayer breakfast, um, and then from 10 a.m. to 12, we'll have an interfaith reparation service at Greater Saint Mark Family Church. From 2 to 4, we'll have the closing ceremony where people are encouraged to wear white. As I mentioned, we'll meet at the downtown courthouse and go from the courthouse to the river. Then we're going to close out with what we're calling For the Culture picnic from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So that's the um, vision. And so uh, more than likely on the next show we'll do in two weeks, we'll give you an update of how this powerful weekend turned out, what came out of it, and, and we will hopefully have some of the organizers and participants from it will also um, call in and um, give us a report back from this weekend. And I'll send out a, a lift up in prayer. Uh, my sister comrade, Bonita Lacey, who was not able to be on the show, she did the first three shows and uh, having some health challenges, was not able to be on the show today, but we, we send her love and light energy, and um, we give thanks. Again, just a quick review. Uh, Emancipation Day is a, you want to, like uh, Brother said, check out the videos, and you can see that that's the other videos as well um, that people have produced. That was just a, a video that was produced by the uh, Nation of Islam uh, for the Emancipation Day Reparations March in London every uh, for the last, I think this was the sixth annual. And again, we shared about some of the work that we're doing, a uh, reparations panel that was held in Atlanta, as well as a, uh, how we're engaging our church communities 
in the reparations movement. Uh, we talked about how we, uh, the Movement for Black Lives has turned out a reparations toolkit, um, which has been getting a lot of favorable response in the community uh, from different activists and community organizations, as well as closing out with the reparations convening here, I can say finally here, <laughs> where I'm at in Ferguson, Missouri, and um, looking forward to um, continuing to work and as we prepare and do the final um, tweaking of the convention, of the gathering. And um, this is important because we know that there probably will be national coverage of this event, uh, marking, you know, recognizing this is a, a fifth annual um, marker for when uh, Mark Michael Brown Jr. was killed, and and Ferguson uprising that in, that followed it, and so we hope that in addition to them talking about that, that the reparations conversation will be picked up and connected as well. So we continue to do the work. We continue to build with our people. We continue to educate. We continue to move this at all levels, from governmental levels to local level to grassroots level to community organizations to uh, religious institutions to uh, grassroots organizations. And so we're going to continue until we are victorious, until we are successful. And uh, again, you've just you've been listening to Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations.